Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Flacco in the shotgun. Takes the snap, drops back. At the Jet 25-yard line, looks downfield, heaves a bomb down the right sideline, Corey Davis behind the defense, he's going to score! Here is the Jet onside kick drive, Braden Mann, once it left, it takes a hop, gets to the sideline, it's loose, there's a scramble for it, the Jets think they have it! They do! Flacco takes the shotgun snap and drops, looks up the seam, fires, caught! Touchdown! Garrett Wilson scores! Out of the hold of Braden Mann. The placement down. The kick on the way. Down the middle and good. Reset fires one up the seam. Intercepted by Ashton Davis. And that'll do it. Ashton Davis takes a knee. And the Jets will win it here in Cleveland. Now back to Dan Grasa on 98.7 ESPN. Just a reminder of what happened a couple of days ago. If you could still not fully comprehend what we all witnessed between the Jets and the Browns on Sunday. I still can't. Still can't. Especially when it comes to the Jets, because historically, those things don't happen to the Jets. They don't get the breaks. Usually, they're on the other side of that type of a result there. But our buddy, the great Bob Wischusen, on the calls. Again, tip of the cap to our pal, Anthony Pusick, for putting that all together. As we welcome you back in here to the Dan Grasa Show, 98.7 ESPN. At Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A on Twitter is where you can find me. Um, A lot has been said about that game. And over the next week or so, we're going to find out exactly what it is going to mean for the Jets and the course of the franchise. And even closer, you know, what is it going to mean for the rest of the season? Are they going to be able to use that as a rallying cry? Is that going to be a turning point? potentially for this year and maybe potentially a turning point for the Robert Sala regime and Joe Douglas in trying to transform this organization into a winner. You know, maybe something like that where everything lined up as perfectly possible as it had to for them to walk off the field with that miraculous victory. Sometimes Lady Luck is on your side. Hasn't been on their side a lot in the last 50 years. We know that, but at least it was on Sunday. So, It's gotten national attention, rightfully so. Everybody talking about it, breaking it down, and throwing all the slings and arrows specifically at the Browns and Kevin Stefanski and their poor clock management and how do you not tell your player to go down and why did Nick Chubb go into the end zone in that sequence and and all those things. And I get it, right? That's the natural reaction. But I went back and I looked at it. A little bit differently today. Just just try to, again, you know, now that some time has passed, to relive those last couple of minutes. And everybody is pointing to that one play when there was 2.02 left on the clock and the Browns took that snap. 155, excuse me. Or 2.02 on the clock. And the Browns took that snap and he had Nick Chubb run the ball left, get into the end zone, 
put the Browns up two scores, and you're thinking game, set, match. Actually, and this is what, to me, enough people aren't talking about. You rewind even further. And the seeds to this whole crazy comeback were really planted the play before. Play before the touchdown. Because at that point, the Jets had just burned their final timeout. They were out of timeouts. And there was 2.09 left on the clock. And what happened on that play? It was a second and six at the 24. They gave the ball to Kareem Hunt. He runs it off left tackle. And he allows the Jets to push him out of bounds, tackle him out of bounds, whatever you want to call it. But the end result was the same. Clock stopped. That play right there could have ended the game for the Cleveland Browns. Not the Kareem or not the Nick Chubb play where he gets into the end zone. That play right there with Kareem Hunt with 209 left on the clock. And I'll tell you why. If that play, it doesn't even matter if it goes out of bounds or not. Doesn't matter if it stops the clock. If the play lasted two measly seconds longer than it did, that instead of him getting tackled at 202, he gets tackled at the two minute warning, even the game is over. The game is over, and we're not even talking about Nick Chubb scoring a touchdown and, you know, supposedly setting off this crazy chain of events. And I know they're not thinking that at the time. And Hunt probably should have just stayed in bounds. They should have told Kareem Hunt to stay in bounds. But that play that preceded the Chubb touchdown could have effectively ended the game in its own right. Because if the play stops at the two-minute warning, the Jets are out of timeouts already. So the clock stops. They go to commercial. Fresh set of downs for the Browns. First and 10. On the other side of the two-minute warning, Jets have no timeouts. Cleveland's going to take a knee three times and end the game. And then we're not talking about Chubb. We're not talking about Flacco to Corey Davis. We're not talking about the onside kick recovered by Justin Hardy. We're not talking about Garrett Wilson again. We're not talking about Ashton Davis with the game-sealing interception. None of those things happen. If that handoff to Kareem Hunt lasts two seconds longer than it did. And isn't that amazing? All of those other things could have been completely wiped out of NFL history because of two seconds. That short amount of time, one, two. Think about two seconds. Think about how fast two seconds are, right? One, two, that's it. That play lasts that much longer. We're not even having this discussion. Instead, it's the same old Jets. Instead, it's the rallying cry from Robert Sala fell on deaf ears. Jets lose a game. They didn't respond. The receipts are still sitting there on the table. Nobody was collecting them. And this team is 0-2, and who knows what the trajectory of their season is going to be. Because two seconds. Two seconds. And how about this? Everything that transpired, all those plays that you heard in the montage there, that you saw, that we discussed, we know that every single one of them had to go according to plan perfectly for the Jets or they don't win that game. To me, the most improbable, and if you've watched football for as long as we all have, easily, the most improbable of them all 
was the fact that the Jets executed the onside kick and recovered that. Because in 2018, the NFL amended the rule for onside kicks. It was in an effort, you know, by the competition committee again to keep the game safer, to make the game as safe as possible, make sure that guys aren't getting injured and, and, and none of that sort of thing. So what they did was they eliminated a couple of features. A, the kicking team was no longer allowed to get a running start. You know, to get that momentum so then they have a running start and then when the ball is kicked off, they're coming at full speed and the the goal is to just completely blow up the guys on the other team so they can have a free shot at the football as it's bouncing or rolling around, whatever it is. The other thing was you weren't allowed to flood that side of the field where you were going to kick the football. Everybody had to be evenly distributed across the entire football field. Kind of like what baseball is going to do next year with the shift and the banning of the shift. You have to have two side, two infielders on the right side of second base, two infielders on the left side of second base. That's what the NFL did here with the onside kicks. So it made the task of recovering an onside even that much more difficult than it was previously. And the statistical data that backs it all up, since that rule was put in, only 10% 10% of all onside kicks attempted in the NFL have been recovered. So it's basically one out of every 10. And I think there's been like a couple of hundred that have been attempted since the new rule. So in the last, what, four or five years, there's been over 200 of them, and only 10% have been executed to perfection. So think about that for a second. You try an onside kick in that situation. The Jets are lined up. They need another possession. They need to get the football back. They try it, let's say, 10 times only once is it going to turn out the way that they wanted. And that one time ended up being on Sunday. Insane. Insane how this whole thing happened. Really and truly. Right? Like, forget about, like, all the, everything that had to go, you know, perfectly. Just, again, I'm hung up on the onside kick. Like, they got that. How? That's not supposed to happen. One out of ten. And it came true on Sunday. Now what do you do? Now what do you learn from this? You got this win. You got this. Okay, you want to call it a gift? Call it whatever the hell you want. But it was a victory. Now what do you make of it? Right? Last year, and this is going to tell us a lot this Sunday about this Jets team and how different they are from year one of the Robert Sala era. You'll find out how different it is because last season the Jets only won four games. I know that they weren't very good. But each and every one of the wins that they had last year, they proceeded to follow up each and every one of those victories with minimum, minimum a two-game losing streak after each one. First win last year against Tennessee, they followed up with two straight losses. Then they beat Cincinnati, followed that up with three consecutive losses. Beat Houston, three consecutive losses after that game. And then they beat Jacksonville, and they only had two games left on the schedule. They lost both of them. That can't happen again. I don't think I'm breaking any news when I tell you that if you want to turn things around and you want to establish yourself as a winning team and a winning program – In the National Football League, you got to string wins together, right? You have to learn how to deal with prosperity. You got one, great. Now make it two. 
And you're playing a Cincinnati team, which on paper, look, they've struggled this year. They've been awful. They've lost two games, two close games. They've lost on the final play of the game in both of them. So you could say that they've been right there, but they haven't played great football. Remember, Cincinnati lost to Mitchell Trubisky and Cooper Rush, the two quarterbacks that they've seen here to begin their season. And Joe Burrow has been put on the carpet 13 times already in two games. So do you think that the defense could have another big say as to what happens on Sunday? I would like to think so. Because this is a mismatch I think that they could take advantage of. I know you're all geeked up about the offense and Flacco threw for over 300 yards and four touchdowns and Garrett Wilson is now like literally the biggest star in the NFL. I mean, he's like the most talked about player across the entire sport. But the defense has a chance to eat a little bit on Sunday. And they can feast on this Bengals offensive line, which, not very good. They remade it a little bit, but guess what? It's not very good. And not to say that the season is going to be a complete wash if they don't win on Sunday, but there is real opportunity here for this football team to gain a little bit of momentum and prosperity. You know, Cincinnati at home on Sunday. Then you go to Pittsburgh, and right now at least, you're playing Mitchell Trubisky. And a Steelers defense that doesn't have T.J. Watt. All of a sudden, you look at this season and you look at the first four games, which a lot of people thought were absolutely a gauntlet, and you might be able to escape at the worst 2-2, two and two, which I laid out before the season and said if they could get to 2-2 two and two in the first four, you take that if you're a Jet fan. Well, they're halfway there. And maybe it's time to get a little bit greedy, no? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Speaking of, we heard from the Cleveland side today because they're they're already getting ready for, I mean, you hope that they flush the Jet game out of their system. And a loss like that could probably linger. But they got a game already on Thursday against the Steelers. They better put it behind them. But we heard from Nick Chubb today. We'll tell you what he had to say about that sequence of events late in the game and his touchdown, which he probably shouldn't have scored. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Talking football and, you know, fairly or unfairly, whatever you want to say. Nobody at the time thought anything of it. But Nick Chubb is the guy who people are pointing their finger at saying, well, why did he score the touchdown, allowed the Jets to get another possession, 
allow this crazy, miraculous chain of events to be kick-started on Sunday. But it's not his fault, is it? I, I, you know what I'm saying? Even if he scored the touchdown, there are so many other areas of blame that you could assess from a Cleveland standpoint as to how this thing happened. How about the kicker missing the extra point, first and foremost? Because then at the very least, if you got to the point the Jets did after the Garrett Wilson touchdown, then you would have put the ball back in Robert Sala's court to make a decision. You're going to go for the tie or you're going to go for the win and go for two. You're going to pull a Brian Dayball. And Sala, I guess, said when he was on with the guys yesterday in his weekly spot, he said he would have on the road gone for two and gone for the win. So he would have been aggressive. Don't know if it will work, though. But I think it's unfair to put it all on Nick Chubb's shoulders. You know, blame the coaching staff more than anything else. But Chubb spoke to the media today for the first time since that game on Sunday. And here's what he had to say. I think the um, first down marker was at the one or two and um, goal line right there, too. I, mean, I, I probably could have got down, probably been third and third and short, third and inches. But, I mean, it probably possibly could have happened. I couldn't have went out of bounds because people were behind me. They would have pushed me in or something like that. So, probably should just drop down after I made the cut. And you want to be fair, how many guys on that Jet defense were thinking that as well? Right? I think even a couple of them even admitted that you know they weren't necessarily fine-tuned into how the, ma- the game was being played out and the clock management and that type of stuff. A lot of them, I think, were trying to go and legitimately tackle him and keep him out of the end zone. I don't think they were thinking, oh, let him score so we can get at least another possession here to work a miracle. I don't think that entered into the thought process because at that point in the fourth quarter, the Browns were having their way with the Jets, especially on the ground. Jets were missing tackles left and right. They were trying to arm tackle, and you had Cleveland play, you know, Hunt and Chubb just like literally running through them. And Cleveland really, I thought, just wore down that defense over the final 15 minutes. And they were lucky that things played out the way that they did. Hey, you might not see that one again for 20 years, right? You might not see it for another two decades. Enjoy it. And as long as I've been following this team, it's easily probably, you know, aside from the Monday night miracle, which that played out over basically an entire quarter. You know, when the Jets were down, you know, four touchdowns or whatever it was against the Dolphins with 15 minutes to play. And the fact that they were able to come back in that game, maybe even crazier than what we saw on Sunday. But you take it. And if you really want to take advantage of it, and if you want to validate a win like that, you know what you do? You win this week. You win this week. Subi in Midtown. He's up next. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Subi? Hey, Dan. You know what I was thinking about all these uh, coaching moves, like Ken and Stefanski in particular? You know, everyone's on the hot seat these days, and it's really unfortunate because, uh, you know, Nick Chubb definitely can't be blamed. It reminds me of the Bradshaw Giant Super Bowl type situation. Not only that, um, you know, these athletes, uh, he, he was probably getting hit around all day. He played his best game of the season, I guess, Nick Chubb. But the point is, is that, um, you know, uh, football is a game. And as you know, week from week now, these coaches are on the hot seat regarding the Browns. Kenneth Stefanski, he was a hot coach last year. He's probably on the hot seat this year more than even Robert Sala. So Robert Sala... I think the point I'm trying to make is Robert Sala probably bought himself a season uh, with that win. and it's Maybe not a season. Maybe not I, a I season. Bought, 
I think he bought the, I think he bought himself a season, and not only that, I think he has the players behind him now. That's all I gotta say. I, I, I you know what, Subi, and thanks for the phone call. Here's why, though, because you know what, if the Jets go out there and go one in sixteen. How do you think that's going to reflect on the coach? Nobody's going to care that they pulled a miracle out of their you-know-what in, in Cleveland back in week two. you got to keep building on this. And I think they're confident that they will. They feel that they were, they were on the verge of doing something special before Sunday, the way everything played itself out. Right? But I do agree with what Subi said in regards to, yeah, coaches don't have as long of a lifeline as they used to in the NFL. You know, once upon a time, you hired a coach, especially if it was a rebuilding situation, and... Sometimes you got like four or five years to be able to turn this thing around. Take your lumps, build the roster, and then evaluate things then. Now owners are a lot more impatient. Sometimes coaches only get one year now, and they blow you out of dodge. You know, the Browns fired a coach after a year not too long ago. Remember Rob Chudzinski was his name? Um, Arizona had a coach for one year when they drafted Josh Rosen. And then he got fired and in came Cliff Kingsbury. So you don't get that lifeline like you used to. But that being said, you know, I, I, I can't kill the player. I can't. Now, it's funny. They, did, they dug up a game where Nick Chubb had the same exact sequence happen against the Houston Texans. This was, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before with the Browns. But the Browns were up by three. Late in the fourth quarter, Chubb breaks one, and he's going to score, and he runs out of bounds at the one-yard line intentionally because then they were able to just take a knee, burn the clock, and, and walk off the field with a win. I just I, – I, I can't kill the player for that. I, I just can't because you know something? At the end of the day, these guys, this is their jobs. This is their livelihoods. Now, you may disagree with this, and that's fine. But this is their livelihood. And in this league where you don't have guaranteed contracts and they'll cut you without a moment's notice and then you're out to fend for yourself. And that's why, like, in the NFL, like, when you see these contracts signed, like, Russell Wilson got, you know, $230 million or whatever it is from the Denver Broncos. Not all of that is guaranteed. You don't know how many millions of that he's going to see. I mean, you got guaranteed money at the front, but... The life of the contract, how much are you actually going to receive? How long are you going to be employed by that organization? It varies. So take a guy like Nick Chubb. Next time he goes down to negotiate his next contract, whenever that is, whoever, with whoever that is, they're going to look at his statistics, and they're going to look what he did. And, you know, you say it's only one touchdown, but, you know, one touchdown is a touchdown, right? And that's what he's going to use in his next bargaining for his contract. And he's going to say, well, I scored X amount of time. Nobody's going to sit there and actually nitpick when they see that and say, oh, well, that one shouldn't count because it wasn't a good team touchdown. You shouldn't have scored it because the Browns were trying to milk the clock. It's like in baseball. When a baseball player goes to arbitration and they're trying to get the biggest contract out there, like nowadays, what's in vogue in baseball where you have – Teams using position players to pitch because they don't want to use real pitchers and burn a pitcher's arm during a blowout. So they throw like an outfielder out there just because they don't want to use another arm. Well, what happens if a player, a hitter goes up there and he's facing a non-pitcher and he hits a grand slam? And what if that happens like on a couple of occasions during a long season? He's going to have two home runs on his ledger, which weren't against real pitchers, 
And those RBIs didn't come against real pitchers. But when he sits down at the bargaining table or he goes to the arbitrator to try to get a new contract, you think they're going to sit there and say, oh, well, sorry, two of these home runs you hit were against some yo-yo outfielder, not a real pitcher, so those don't count. That's not the way it works. This is the job for these athletes. They want to make the most money possible. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. That's the Jets story. We'll take more calls on them. Also, what about that other team in town, the team that's actually 2-0? and Why aren't we talking more Giants? Well, you know what? We will. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Mets in a little bit of a pickle right now. They've fallen behind 3-0 in Milwaukee as we head to the third inning. So the Brew Crew put three on the board in that second inning, all on Carlos Carrasco. Now, I saw that they had, guys, I saw that they had uh, Trevor Williams warming up in the bullpen. Is Buck making a quick hook? Is, is Carrasco even going to see the third inning tonight? I know he's he's at 56 pitches. He's given up five hits here. You think he's an early hook tonight? I think he is. Uh, him, he hasn't been, like, consistent enough for me where I just would leave him out there and let him work through it. Oh, but, I agree. I mean, he's... These games are too important. Yeah, especially as we're winding down. And I, I was telling uh, Harvey Fair that uh, this seesaw battle with the Braves for this... <laughs> For first in the NL East is uh, kind of horrifying. I can't it's taking years it. off your life, basically. I can't do it because if Mets clinch the spot and then just lose the division race and just well, it's gonna. I don't know. If, honestly, I don't know if they're getting a World Series if they don't win the division. I don't know if they're getting in the World Series. I don't know if they can find a path there via the wild card. Oh, I, I would agree with right? you on that. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, it's possible, but think of how much more of a strain you're going to be putting on your on your pitching staff if that's the case. And it's also, uh, I don't want to say we're thin there, but uh, we're <laughs> we're kind of struggling to keep our guys there, you know, every, uh, well, every I've, five look, outings. I've been saying, like, if, if you're going to have four starting pitchers for the postseason, and, and look, granted, the playoffs – Starting pitchers, relief pitchers, there's almost like no such difference. There's just pitchers, right? Because sometimes, like, teams will piece together a game, whether it's a bullpen game, a starting game, a this, a that, it doesn't matter. But right now, if you're asking me, like, old school conventionally, who are the four guys that I would use as my starters for the Mets in the postseason? Obviously, DeGrom and Scherzer. 
Bassett. And then that fourth pick was either going to be like Carlos Carrasco or Taiwan Walker. Yeah. I've said Taiwan Walker, man. I mean, I guess Taiwan Walker, too, I feel the same way I do about Carrasco. Like, he's been he's been solid in most of his starts, but it's been a lot of times where I see and I'm just like, oh, I don't know if this guy uh, can't even be seen as a three or four guy that we're going to have. And I feel like that four spot might just be a combination of just our bullpen, just holding it down. Just If we get three innings out of every guy or, like, at least two and a half, I would feel way better. I think regardless, probably at least with those two guys, it's going to be a quick hook. Oh, oh, for sure. Like, like regardless, you know what I'm saying? Anybody not named Scherzer and DeGrom, and I'll throw Bassett into the mix, I think those guys are going to have a quick hook in the playoffs. Like, if they don't have it on any given night, Buck's not going to hesitate to go to somebody else. But I, And all managers do that now. Yeah, but I was going to also say, too, I think that's a credit to uh, the experience that Buck has had in postseason. No, because I feel like if we probably had another manager in that postseason, and they'll probably just let their guys ride it out till they figure it out, or you know, you know what I mean, until they came back around. Right. So anyway, they're in a three nothing hole right now. They got to snap out of this, and there's still plenty of time. It's only the third inning, and the Nationals just left the bases loaded in Atlanta and failed to score. There's a surprise. So that game is scoreless in the fourth inning. Yankees have a two one lead over the Pirates as you know the Pirates morphed into the Bad News Bears. In that fifth inning, and um, Jose, uh, who hit that? Um, the one that they botched out there in the outfield, where the two guys, the two outfielders, basically collided on the warning track. It was Cabrera. Okay, so as well though Cabrera hit one, uh, legged out a, a three base hit, and Harrison Bader in his first game as a Yankee gets an RBI single to tie it up, and then Jose Trevino gets a a base hit to score Harrison Bader. So that's how we have a two one game right now for. The New York Yankees will keep you posted, of course, on both of them. Back to the football for a second here and the Giants. You know, we talked a lot about the Jets, of course. And, like, the Giants, I, I even said it last night. Yeah, they've been ugly. Yeah, they're two games. But you win. Doesn't matter that it's by a grand total of four points. You're 2-0. and And any Giant fan in their wildest dreams – Probably could not have foreseen that happening before the season started. If I would have told you, hey, you know what, you're going to start the season 2-0, you would have signed up for that and then some. And look at what's happened here. Not only are you 2-0, but you got a Cowboy team coming in on Monday night with Cooper Rush as their quarterback. And then after that, it's the Bears. All at MetLife Stadium. I know, you don't, I, I, I know that you don't want to get too carried away and you don't want to get too giddy. But is 4-0 really out of the realm of possibility right now for the Giants? Is it? I mean, think about what this team has done right now. And shorthanded, they're not even whole. You got to love this. And as far as I'm concerned, you look around the NFL. The New York Giants, after the first two weeks of the season, are the most pleasant surprise in the NFL. Like, what other team right now is playing above and beyond your preconceived notions for them when the season began more so than the Giants? What team? What, the Dolphins maybe? Because you didn't think the Dolphins would be 2-0? and You didn't think they'd go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens and Tua throwing for, you know, looking like the second coming of Dan Marino, a left-handed Dan Marino, wearing that Dolphin uniform? I still think I had more high hopes for the Dolphins this year as a whole than I did the Giants. And yeah, I know that the teams that the Giants beat are both winless. 
Titans are 0-2, and they look like a mess. And you have Carolina, who Matt Rule could be the first coach fired the way things are going right now with his team and with that organization. But it doesn't matter. You play who's on the schedule. You're not going to get any less of a win because the Dallas Cowboys are playing without Dak Prescott on Monday night. And by the way, Stephen Jones, Jerry's son, weekly appearance here on 105.3 in Dallas today, shot down any idea of Dak maybe making a miraculous recovery in time for Monday. Against the Giants this week, absolutely he's out. I think think where I got misconstrued there is it's three to four weeks from the time of injury. So the best it would be would be Washington or the Rams. Yeah, because you know what? Steven had to put out fires because Jerry opened his mouth, I think it was yesterday, and told the whole world that there was a chance that Dak could play on Monday. He said Dak could play on week three. Dak could be back on Monday night against the Giants. I might how you do. No, that's that that he Jerry doesn't sound like Timmy Trumpet. I'm sorry. Jerry doesn't sound like Timmy. Jerry's not Australian. He's just old. With a little bit of a twang. That must be a pain, right? Like if you're Stephen Jones, like you gotta sit there and 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 probably put out so many fires. And not only is he your boss, he's your father. So you feel weird about the whole thing. But there was no chance Dak was gonna be back in two weeks. Come on. You knew that he wasn't playing this game. But now if you're the Giants, you know what? Focus on the task at hand. You can't overlook the Cowboys. And that's why I think it's a blessing from a Giants standpoint that the Cowboys won on Sunday. Right? They beat a desperate Cincinnati team. Well, desperate. A a Cincinnati team coming off of a season-opening sloppy loss. And they were able to win on a last-second field goal. Cooper Rush played decent football. I think it would be a different story, and the narrative certainly would be spreading like wildfire if we were talking about a Cowboy team coming in here 0-2 as opposed to 1-1. Now Cooper Rush showed that he can win a football game. So the Giants aren't going to sleep on this Dallas team. Plus, it's a rivalry game. You should always get up for a division rival. I don't care if they're, you know, 2-0, 0 2-0, 0-2, 10-0, 0-10. They're the Cowboys. It's the Giants. They hate each other. That's how it should be. But what about this Giants team? Like, you know, if you're a fan, are you getting carried away? Do you think that they could author one of the most improbable stories in the league this year and be that team that comes out of nowhere and maybe steals a playoff berth? I never would have thought in a million years it would have been them. Never. But here's what I do know. We got two weeks of data so far in the NFL. Two weeks. There's only six teams that are unbeaten still. And one of those six are the New York football giants. The other ones really aren't that big of a surprise, right? Buffalo, Miami, Kansas City, Philly, Tampa. All right, you expected that. And then the Giants. And you know the five winless teams, we told you the stat already. Since the NFL went to the extra playoff teams in 2020, no team that has started 0-2 has made the playoffs. Carolina, Atlanta, the Raiders, Tennessee, and Cincinnati. We're looking at you. And Houston and Indianapolis don't have any wins because they tied in week number one. But boy, the Colts, oh my gosh. How bad are the Colts? I totally was wrong about them, at least the first two weeks. They better get their act together. Like I said last night, I mean, is it really all Carson Wentz's fault? Because Carson Wentz is gone. And you still haven't won a game yet. But I like what this Giants team is. I like what Brian Dayball is as a head coach. They haven't played perfect football, right? Daniel Jones... 
Still, I don't think we're any closer to figuring out if he's the guy or if he's not the guy. I don't think he's done anything so far to change my mind. But there are people out there who actually are sold and maybe are starting to believe a little bit in this giant football team, much to my surprise. And we'll share that with you when we come back at 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Dan Gross until 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Keyshawn Johnson of KJM fame. Of course, you hear it each morning right here on 98.7 ESPN, former jet wide receiver, among other things. He actually is starting to maybe believe a little bit more in this giant football team. The New York Giants actually look like that they want to try to make this a nice race in the NFC East. They want to try to have a chance to really contend for a title. Are they really are they really doing this like that? They got the Cowboys next, but I think that they got an opportunity. For the Giant fans, it's something to smile about. You're sitting at 2-0. and How about that? So Keyshawn is believing. One thing we knew about this Giants schedule, before they even played a game this year, when we tried to maybe gleam some positives out of it, you looked at the first 10 games, not even knowing what these teams were going to be, and before Dak Prescott suffered his injury, and you looked at it and you said, all right, there's an opportunity there. Like, look at what's still coming down the pike. Cowboys and Bears at home. At Green Bay, all right, that's tough. Ravens at home, that'll be a challenge. But at Jacksonville, that's a winnable game. At Seattle, that's a winnable game. Home against the Texans, winnable. Home Lions, winnable. That's 10 right there. Woo! You mean to tell me that the Giants can't go 5-5? Five and five? Now, you're 2-0. and oh, You hope you're better than 5-5. Five and five, But you mean to tell me you can't go at least 5-5 five and five in those first 10? And then who the heck knows how the last six or seven are going to play themselves at? I'd get excited. I'd get excited. Maybe give me a woo-woo. Give me a double woo. There you go. Keep it going. Uh, Let's say hi to Mike. He's in Freeport up next, 98.7 ESPN. Michael, how are you? I'm good, Dan. How are you doing? Good, Mike. What's up? So, um, I'm a big Giants fan. I just wanted to make a quick point. Uh, Also, before I get to that, congrats on the show. It's the first time calling in. I just want to say congrats to that. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate Uh, you. Yeah, you got it. So, big Giants fan, and I'm cautiously cautiously optimistic um, 
of course, I'm excited to be 2-0, but there's a couple of reasons why I don't know if it, if, if it can be sustained. And it starts with Daniel Jones. He looks incredibly uncomfortable in the pocket, even more so than in past years. The wide receivers are spotty, to say the least, and I don't trust anybody on that offensive line outside of Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal. So um, the defense looks great. I couldn't be happier with the signing of uh, Wink Martindale, and, and I'm all about the coaching staff. I love it. I'm just cautious cautiously optimistic uh, for right now and kind of holding fast until uh, this, this offense especially can prove to me that uh, it, that they're, everybody's worth it and that Daniel Jones can prove that he – I don't know if Daniel Jones can prove to me that he can continue being the Giants quarterback. I just, just want to know your thoughts on it. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a work in progress, right, Mike? I'll be the first one to tell you. He's done good, and other times it's still been – Kind of same old Daniel Jones. You know, but if you're looking for, at the very least, what you want to see from a quarterback, right? You want to have a guy who gets you in the end zone and a guy who walks off the field a winner. And so far, for at least the last two games, he's done that. And you know what I like also about the Carolina game in particular? Turnover free. Didn't make any mistakes. And when you think about Daniel Jones and you think about his career so far, the first four years... What really kind of identifies his tenure as the giant quarterback? Turnovers, mistakes, fumbles, red zone inefficiency. That's got to change. No coach is going to put up with that. None. You know, Mike Holmgren put up with the Brett Favre kind of wacky interceptions there for a little bit because, you know, he did a lot of really, really good things too. But Daniel Jones isn't Brett Favre once upon a time. You know, kind of like that riverboat gambler with the arm. I mean, that's, you know, not the way Daniel Jones plays. But I think each game is a test. You know, each and every one of these is a test. And you want to see how he's going to be able to react to it. And so far, for the first two games, it's been good enough. It's been effective enough. Ron is calling from D.C. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Ronnie, how are you? Good, good, Dan. You're usually the most uh, cynical man on Sports Talk Radio, but you seem to be jumping on that Giants bandwagon. Not jumping. I'm tell you right. Not jumping. Not yet. Not yet. You're getting close. You're getting. Close. Um, you know what I'm. You know what I'm doing, Ron? I'm researching ticket. I'm researching ticket prices for that train, for that wagon, if you know what I mean. Okay, okay. Uh, as a Cowboy fan, uh, don't buy those tickets too soon because you're about to meet the closest thing to uh, reincarnation of Lawrence Taylor. And Daniel Jones will revert to uh, fumbling and throwing interceptions once he meets Michael Parsons. He's good. That, he's good. That giant, he's, he's very good. And I don't just say that because I'm a Cowboy fan. He's good. But that giant's offensive line is not going to know what's going to hit them when Michael Parsons shows up, and that'll be the difference. Cooper Rush will put up 20 to 24 points, and that'll be more than enough for Micah and the Cowboys' defense to win. So hold off on buying those tickets. Ron, I appreciate you, my friend. You get back to us, and I agree on Micah Parsons. He's damn good. Micah Parsons might be him and Mr. Watt in Pittsburgh, but TJ's hurt right now, two best edge rushers in the sport. And that's high praise considering Micah Parsons, you know, has, what, one year under his belt, one full year? But you know what? The Giants have a guy who they think is pretty good, too. It'd just be nice if they could get him on the field in Kayvon Thibodeau and his buddy Ozizo Ojolari. Both the edge rushers haven't played yet this season. Be nice if they could play on Monday, huh? And you have one big edge rusher extravaganza with Micah Parsons and the two guys from the Giants. But we'll find out over the next couple of days about their availability. This is the Dan Grosser Show. 
98.7 ESPN. <laughs>